Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. If, as Dr. Bazan read the scripture, your pulse didn't race, your eyes didn't water, your breath didn't quicken, I hope you don't feel on a lower spiritual plane. As she read the scripture, if you didn't have an impulse to stand up and shout hallelujah, I hope you don't feel compromised. In fact, as she read the scripture, if you did not have the urge to leap up and race out of here to get your practice of medicine started, I hope you won't question the validity of the sheepskin you'll receive tomorrow because it's a strange passage. There's no question about it. It's strange for a church service, much less a baccalaureate service. Maybe you caught a glimpse of the program earlier, and you noticed that the homily's title had something to do with heroes. And you thought, great, heroes. And your mind went to David, and you thought, David, the shepherd boy, will come in here singing and swinging and slinging, defeating Goliath. That's a hero. Or maybe your mind went to Esther, that orphan girl who faced her fears and saved her people when the wily Haman slithered into the room with his plan. In fact, her words continue to echo those courageous words, if I perish, I perish. That's a hero. Maybe that's what we'll get. And instead, Malchijah, Shephatiah, Jehuchel, Pasher. What on earth? Did she read the wrong passage? And yet, it's from that passage that we find our hero. The passage was chosen intentionally because of a marketing slogan Loma Linda University chose a couple of years ago during the pandemic. You've heard it in conversations, seen it on billboards, maybe read it in advertisements. Heroes made here. Here. It's a bold claim, an audacious claim. The question is, is it true? And it was because of that marketing maxim that we're at this passage. That brings us straight back to what, what Dr. Bazan read. You have to have some of the context because the context to what's happening in the city of Jerusalem is much like the southeastern part of Europe in the 19-teens when 
Austrian Archduke Francis Ferdinand was assassinated along with his wife Sophie, igniting World War I. It was Poland in 1939 as the Nazi machine rolled in, crushing all opposition. It, it, was, it was Ukraine not that many months ago as the Russian forces came in. It's that kind of a setting. It's a setting where it's every man for himself, every woman into hiding, and every child too scared, too terrified to cry. The very structures of society are collapsing. The walls are caving in. The, the foundation beneath their feet is crumbling. You can't trust anybody. Family will betray you. And to top it all off, God's prophet. Jeremiah is delivering the word that God has placed in his mouth and is saying, give up, surrender, go over to the Babylonians. You can imagine how that went over. Treason, they cried. And to King Zedekiah, a king who crouched on the throne, puppet king with a wishbone instead of a backbone, went any direction the latest political wind blew, said to Jeremiah's foes, do with him as you wish. What can I do? I can't stop you. And thus they said to Jeremiah, you're telling us to go over to the other side? We're going to send you over to the real other side. And they take him out to the well and sink him into the sucking mud at the bottom. That's worth noticing. It's the rainy season of the year and the well is dry. We are truly at the end. And it's right then, right when Jeremiah realizes he is done for that we meet our hero. Ebed-Melech. Ebed-Melech. He's, he's an Ethiopian eunuch. He's a servant in the king's court. Unknown. He's only mentioned twice in the biblical account in two different chapters of Jeremiah. Scholars are a bit divided over who he was. Some say he must have been close to the king to make the request he made. Others said he was an unknown no value. He's a hero. You might struggle a bit to recognize him as a hero because when we think of that word hero, we think of the swashbuckling warrior who puts the troops on their own back and leads them through to victory. That's not Ebed-Melech. So just how is he a hero? Jeremiah 38, starting with verse 7, says, But Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. While the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went out to the palace and said to him, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly, and all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, they have thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Cushite, take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So 
So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to the room under the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags and worn-out clothes from there and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, Put these old rags and worn-out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. The world is collapsing. And Ebed-Melech, an unknown Ethiopian eunuch, says, we've got to act. We can't leave him to die in that mud. We've got to do something, bring ropes. Jeremiah, Ebed-Melech, you'll never get Jeremiah out. Yanking on him with those ropes, trying to extract him from the mud, will burn him, will bruise him, will damage him. He says, "Then, then, then bring clothes, bring rags, bring padding. We can't let him die there. And so he goes, leading these men, and restores some humanity, some civility, some dignity to a world gone mad. Mentioned twice. This is one context where he's mentioned. Virtually an unknown. And yet in the context of a collapsing world, his act act shines as a candle in a dark night. As I read his story, it made me wonder. Tomorrow, when the names are read, for the class of 2022, Will there be an Ebed-Melech among them? The artist, brush, and palette have gone to work trying to capture that moment. You'll see on the screen one rendering. There are many. While you look at that rendering, I I want to read to you. From the SDA Bible commentary, these words. The thoughtfulness of Ebed-Melech shines forth as a gem in this narrative. Ropes alone would have been sufficient to save Jeremiah, but Ebed-Melech provided rags so that the ropes would not cut into the flesh of the elderly prophet. He restores dignity, humanity, civility, in a world gone mad. I can't read the story, I can't look at the context without recognizing parallels between that world and ours. There are some deeply disturbing parallels. The foundations beneath you, graduates, are crumbling. The moral rot at the core of culture is putrefying. We live in a society where our leaders, 
try to outdo one another with screaming about the demons on the other side. We live in a world where somebody can go to a grocery store to buy dinner and encounter an armed maniac who will extinguish their flames because of the color of their skin. We live in a world where children are sacrificed on the altar of someone's rage. And this world needs some Ebed Meleks who will restore humanity, dignity, civility. And it just makes me wonder, as the names are read tomorrow, will there be an Ebed Millick among them? It doesn't take much in a world like ours, a tiny flickering candle pierces the darkness. Example of that, young woman riding the train posted two tweets shortly thereafter. Here's what she tweeted out. The guy next to me on the train was watching The Office. So naturally, I not so subtly watched along. He noticed me watching with him and turned on the subtitle. I hope he knows I would die for him. <laughs> and then her second tweet intended specifically for him. Hello, sir. If you see this, I will care for your children if you ever meet with sudden death. <laughs> You're also invited to my wedding and inscribed in my will. Doesn't take much. When the night is very dark, it just takes a candle flame, a flicker, to pierce the night. Did you read the story, Mahatma Gandhi? Boarding a train one day in India, the train was already moving. As Gandhi moved to board the train, his, his sandal fell off and landed by the tracks. Because the train was moving, it was impossible to retrieve it. Without a second thought, Gandhi took off his other sandal and threw it back so that it landed near the first. Somebody said, why did you do that? He said, because now the man who finds that will have a pair that he can use. Just a candle. Humanity. Civility. Dignity. I am sorry to apologize for my generation and those before that we are about to hand you a world that is in deep distress. But there's part of me that says... I, I don't want to emphasize that too strongly because of this simple reason. Your choices will be just as important as our choices have been. And if there are Ebed Meleks among you, maybe the world 
will be a more humane place. You know, it struck me as I read Ebed Millick's actions. It struck me that in a very real way, he prefigured, prefigured the ethos of the mission of this place to continue the teaching and healing ministry of Jesus Christ. The Jesus who came and said, my mission is to set the oppressed free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give liberty to the captives. It's the very ethos of what Ebed Melech did, and yet now you have not only Ebed Melech to follow, but you have the blood-stained footprints of the man of Galilee. As you go out into the world to continue his teaching and healing ministry. Because as dark as the world is, healthcare is in a difficult place. Coming out of this pandemic with all of its anger and rage and political division, coming out of all, all that has happened to suck the very life and soul and energy and dreams out of those who have worked countless hours to care for the rest of us. You're stepping into a tough world. Don't forget Ebed Melech. Don't forget the one who prefigured the ethos of Christ's mission and message. Makes me think of Ed and Barb Waltz of Ann Arbor, Michigan telling about taking their daughter, little Deb, who they were now discovering not only had cerebral palsy, but they were trying to work through the implications of what that would mean. Mom couldn't help it toward the end of the visit, looking at the doctor and saying, a strange thing. She would later ponder how it was the only thing she could think of to say as she was trying to grasp the enormity of what was caving in upon her. She said to the doctor, but, but doctor, what kind of shoes should I get her? And the doctor said, you can get her any shoes you want. She's not going to be walking in them. And left the room. They were devastated. It wasn't but a while later that they were visiting in the office of a second physician. More news, more struggle. I can't say why Barb chose to ask the same question. Because this doctor had been equally clear. Doctor, what kind of shoes should I get her? And the doctor thought for a moment. And then said, you know, I'd get her the most beautiful pink shoes with purple laces. Ed and Barb would later say, we're embarrassed to admit what we felt like doing to that first doctor. But that second doctor, we hugged and loved on him. Dignity. Civility, humanity. I wonder if there are Ebed Meleks among you. I have to read you an email I got several years ago. It's not just recent. It came from Kathy McMillan, Director of Employee Spiritual Care here at our medical center. She wrote to me one day and 
about her husband, Jim, who at that time was director of the Nephrology Fellowship Program. And Kathy wrote this. I'm going to brag for a minute because I think this is such a touching story about my husband. Jim is the director of LUMC's Nephrology Fellowship Program. Each year they are, are, are required by ACGME to evaluate the program and list one example where the fellowship helps to promote the mission of the institution. The Professional Evaluation Committee, made up of faculty and a fellow, meet, meets regularly but annually addresses this requirement. Yesterday when the committee met, they discussed how the program has helped to demonstrate or promote continuing the teaching and healing ministry of Jesus. They chose to write about a decision to have faculty cover call when fellows are on vacation rather than have the fellows cover for each other and take more call. This was very unpopular with the faculty, but they agreed to do it for the sake of the fellows. The committee was preparing to move to the next item on the agenda when the fellow on the committee spoke up. She's not a Christian, but said she had another example she wanted to share. Through tears, she told the committee how she had faced a personal crisis earlier in the year and how Dr. McMillan had given her permission to stay home while he took her call in clinic. She said that really demonstrated the Jesus we talk about. Jim, wrote Kathy, Jim would not, in all caps, Jim would not be happy with me sharing this because he's the most humble person I know, but I'm not. <laughs> so I decided to share it. Just, just keep this between us here if you don't mind. There are many places where we as an institution are letting our light shine. I suspect we never hear about the majority of them. But today, enjoy the story and pray for this fellow that the seed planted about Jesus will continue to be watered and will grow. It does make me wonder. If tomorrow, when the roll is called, there will be an Ebed Melek among you. I said Ebed Melek is mentioned twice. You know the first context. But I want to read you the second time, one chapter later. Because what Ebed Melek was noticed, certainly by Jeremiah, but there was one other who noticed. One other in chapter 39 who noticed what Ebed Melech did. 39:15, while Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him. Go and tell Ebed Melech the Cushite. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I am about to fulfill my words against this city, words concerning disaster, not prosperity. At that time, they will be fulfilled before your eyes. But I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you, and you will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trust in me, declares the Lord. If there's an Ebed Melech among you, it won't just be your patient, your neighbor, your institution, or your community 
that will notice. God himself will have his eye on you, giving you his pleasure and his life. May there be an Ebed Milik among you. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at LLUC.org.